Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Kat. What's up? Hey now. What's up, everybody? Uh, did you have a good weekend? I didn't even talk to you. Busy, I know, I know. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, it was busy. I had a lot of stuff on the go, but it was good. Yeah, it was fine. Nice, lovely, good. We. Uh, I shouldn't say we because I had very little to do with it. But as you know, I work for the Toronto Rock, and we clinched a playoff spot this weekend. That's exciting. Three games to go oh, that's still good. in the regular season, and we're already in. So way to go, Rock! And thank you to everybody who came out to First Ontario Centre on Saturday. One more home game to go in the regular season, and that is on Saturday, the 16th of April. It's going to be great. Exciting. Um, There's a lot to talk about. First off, let's talk about waves for just a sec, because it seems like we're in a wave right now. The amount of people that are catching vacation fever is crazy. Every time Mm -hmm. I open my goddamn Facebook and Instagram, it's just people laying on the beach, drinking Mai Tais and stuff like that. Half the country seems to be down in the Caribbean right now. Yeah, well, and I mean, they eased uh, the restrictions a little bit. I mean, I I hear it's not still fun, depending on where you're going and where you're coming from and all the other things. It's a little bit easier, and I know that that made some people finally decide to do it. Other people had this booked for a long time, hoping it would be the right time to do it. And uh, either way, I'm jealous. Uh, that's, uh, that sounds, it all looks great. It all looks great. All the snowbirds are coming back now. Now that they dropped the testing requirement, everybody that's got a place down in Florida that spends the winter down there, they're all coming back mm. with COVID. With the, with the vid. Sure. Uh, when it comes to COVID, though, I mean, I'm going to play something from Dr. Teresa Tam that happened on Friday. She's smart. And I don't say that very often, but she's now caught on to what the politicians do, where they drop these news conferences on a Friday when nobody is paying attention. Right. So I'm going to play a little bit of Dr. Tam for you in mm-hmm. a minute. But I will say, for all those people that are screaming at the top of their lungs, ah, oh, fuck, it's a sixth wave. It absolutely is. I mean, it's remarkable the amount of people that are sick right now. Right now kind of reminds me of January. Back in January, we all saw how many people were sick. It feels like we're in a similar predicament now. Yeah. But one thing, and it's anecdotal. I don't have any research to back it up. And to be honest with you, I don't even really care. But I think it's something that the epidemiologists may want to try and look into, if they even can. I know three, count them, three different people. That have COVID right now that also had it in December. That also had it just months ago. And I thought, I mean, I know they say that once you've had it, Mm -hmm. you have some natural immunity for what is it they say? Up to 90 days. I personally feel like it's a lot longer. But I'm going to give you one example. A friend of mine got his second shot back in August. That December... He caught COVID. It was Delta, and he was really sick. After you recover, you need to wait 90 days, and then you can get your booster. So he did. He went and got his booster in February. He's got COVID again right now. (laughs) He's had three shots since August, and he's had COVID twice. That's so crazy. I guess that's one of those things the public health people don't really want to talk about, but I think the difference here is he had Delta back in December. Now it's highly likely he's got Omicron. Is it maybe? Maybe if you got Delta, you didn't develop any of the immunity to Omicron. I don't know. I, I, I think that the main thing is, is that we are learning to live with it, though. Because I mean, you hear stories like that, and you're like, okay. I mean, it, it'll bother those who 
did not that chose not to get vaccinated and they were like see do you see why I didn't bother anyway this is what and, and even if it was just a feeling right it's not like you knew for certain it would happen but uh, you look at so many people that are in that predicament of getting it, catching it more than once. I don't know how I've managed to dodge it this entire time. But um, but yeah, there's definitely something else going around. Absolutely. But yeah. it's still, I mean, it's still in, we're still in the season of like cold and flu initially. So obviously it's going to happen. Before we talk about Doug Ford and gas prices and his family members that are also politicians, I want to uh, play this for you from Dr. Teresa Tam, Canada's National Chief Medical Officer of Health. It's funny because right now in Ontario, even though Ontario is doing the exact same thing that most jurisdictions around the world are, most of the jurisdictions that are thriving, by the way, people like to shit on Doug and Dr. Kieran Moore. Oh, they took away the testing. They don't want you to know how many cases there are. They're freaking out. Well, federally, we're not getting nearly as much information as we used to either. And Dr. Tam was asked about that on Friday. It's a great question from Glenn McGregor. Listen up. Merci. Uh, next question, Glenn McGregor, CTV. Hi, uh, thank you. Um, in your previous uh, modeling press conferences, you provided graphs that uh, provide some projections on the number of cases, um, number of deaths in various scenarios. You haven't done that here. Is that because you just don't have the surveillance data to effectively model which way this is headed? Yeah, there's uh, a few reasons. One is that the case data is uh, more unstable. So the confidence intervals are quite wide in those uh, estimates. And uh, but the bottom line is um, the, the the message about resurgence and the impact hasn't changed since our last modeling. You know, we actually expect resurgence to occur any time a jurisdiction is going to release uh, the public health measures and increase contact rates. That's just absolutely expected. And that's what the model will show. So um, what the model projections are still showing is that because of our immunization and some of the population immunity and the infection of that big Omicron wave we just had, the impact on health systems such as hospitalizations is likely to be lower. That's not a guarantee in every area of the country because of the differences in vaccine coverage and in um, other parameters in terms of who got hit by the BA1 uh, wave more than others. So I think the bottom line is everybody right now, I think, uh, should still wear their mask and keep those layers of measures, uh, no matter where you are in this country. Because even if you don't see a resurgence now, you're probably going to in the next days, weeks, and that will help uh, reduce transmission and um, make sure that the impact on the health system is lowered. And please do go get that booster. <laughs> okay. We need to stop moaning. Well, right. I mean, yeah, like I, I all the way up to the booster, I get what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, if you want to reduce your risk, you you mask up. And, and there's a lot of people that feel more comfortable with that. And I've said it before, and I truly do believe that for me, especially in those colder months that we experience, especially through like January, maybe even through April, I will consider wearing a mask when I'm out in large gatherings, that's me though. But I don't care if other, what, what other people choose to do. That's how I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And right now, I mean, we see this spreading. It's going to happen. And, and schools, yeah, of course it's going to happen within schools too. But wearing your mask could be a good idea to help.
I think it was always happening in schools. I think we downplayed it and snowed parents as much as we possibly could. But everything we know about COVID and how it's spread happens in schools. So for them to insist all along there was no spread in schools, I feel like that was a lie. What Dr. Tam is saying is exactly what we're saying here in Ontario. Yes, it's an expected uptick because we have loosened restrictions. It's not unanticipated. Everything is fine. She's recommending you wear a mask. I'm sure every public health official would recommend that you wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Do you actually have to? No, because we're finally in this province treating adults like adults and you can make your own decisions. So there it is right from the federal chief medical officer of health. They expected this to happen. Not a big deal. You know, Teresa was consulted before the restrictions came off. And this is just the way it is. I do like, though, that she acknowledged so many people had it in December and January that that should minimize the impact on our hospital system. Yeah, which we figured, right? And that's what's important here, everybody. Please keep in mind, that's the important part. Are people going to get sick? Yes, people are sick now. There's a lot of sick people. You're all sick. You're all sick and twisted. But we can handle (laughs) it. It's okay. Our hospital system is not in danger of being overwhelmed. Uh, I do want to talk about Doug, but before we get to him, today's a pretty historic day. The government doesn't give up much very often, but occasionally they do. And as of now, midnight today, private companies can allow you to bet online through their app here in Ontario. We are the first Canadian jurisdiction to do it, and we certainly will not be the last. We've been building up to this for a while. You've been able to bet on that ProLine site for a bit, but it was still the government running it. Mm -hmm. These are private companies that are running a gambling operation legally, and they have to meet a lot of government requirements. I signed up today for uh, just to see what it was like. I signed up for the Score betting app. How did that go? The Score app is great, so I figured their betting app must be good. Um, They want a lot of information. I'm going to be really honest with you. And it says right in the sign-up process... The following is required by law. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have to enter your name and your phone number and your, your address and shit like that. That I expected. They want to know what industry you work in, who you work for, your actual employer. They want a phone number for your company. They want your supervisor's name. Then you have to upload your driver's license front and back. Sure. Then you got to take a selfie to make sure that the selfie matches the driver's license. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with all that information. If it's truly just for verification, okay, fine. I would hope they delete that information after they verified you. For the life of me, I can't figure out why they would need to know where I work and who my supervisor is. What the fuck is that? Well, I suppose if things go really, really wrong, they'd have a way to get um, to to catch you. I don't know what it is. Yeah, um, that surprises me. It doesn't surprise me, though. Obviously, they need, they need the driver's info, the license info, or to make sure that your date of birth is your date of birth, make sure you are who you say you are. And if that's the way it's been working anywhere else in the world that this has been happening, then all right. And your, your option is to not do it if you're not comfortable with it. Well, this is good. I, I think this is good progress because I think that, again, we as adults should have maximum choice. And let's be honest, there's a ton of people that are already gambling online through other offshore platforms. Why wouldn't we yeah. keep this in Ontario? Why wouldn't we keep this in Canada? It's fine. I hope hey. it's fun. Like, I hope it stays fun, though, because that's my that's the thing. I think that if they if they make it very um, uh, inclusive and not like 
or not inclusive, I should say, and not for everybody, I'll be less likely to even bother. Like, I'm not going to bother right now. But if, for example, some people were like, oh, no, you should try it and word of mouth spreads because it's actually a lot of fun and it's easy to deal with and there's a bunch of uh, good features with it and you feel safe and secure, great, more people are going to hop on. But if it's not as exciting as we were kind of anticipating it to be, then they're not going to have a lot of people joining. Well, we spoke to Ryan Doyle about this a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that he gave us a heads up on actually came true. A lot of sites to try and get you to sign up with their platform are going to match your initial deposit. So, for example, I'm on the Score app. I signed up for it today, and if I deposit, say, 500 bucks into my gambling account, they're going to match it with another 500 bucks. That's $500 yeah. in free money. Take advantage of those kinds of things. Why not? I mean, you have to spend it there. It's not like you can like pull it out and be like, yeah, I won 500. I got $500 for free. You have to use it and you have to, but that's fine. That might be what you would have done anyway. Well, I mean, there's so many illegal or not illegal, but certainly not legal operations happening. I'm in a work NCAA pool. And just to keep that on the up and up, because the yeah. company doesn't want any drama, the, the proceeds had to be donated to the company social fund. Well, all right, fine. That's all well and good. But people are doing it. They're gambling. For the life of me, I can't figure out why we kept pushing them to offshore companies yeah. to place their bets. So now if I want to bet on the, the Leafs tonight, I can just bet on the Leafs. If I want to place a bet that Austin Matthews scores 55 goals this season, I can make that bet now. There's going to be prop bets. There's going to be bets on elections. There's going to be bets on all sorts of shit. It's an honest-to-God sports book online, and it's great that we have that option. Now, I do feel bad for the, uh, I don't know another way to put it, but there's some pretty degenerate gamblers out there yeah. that literally will gamble away everything they have. And it's right at your fingertips. It's uh, That can be dangerous, yeah. So I'm assuming that maybe the work info coincides with that. I don't know. Like, Are they going to phone my boss and say, hey, this Fox guy, is he a little degenerate there? Should we cut him off? Or what do you think? <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it, but they certainly do want a lot of info. And that is available starting today. Premier Ford is going to introduce legislation today to cut the provincial gas tax Mm. by 5.7 cents per liter. Okay. This one doesn't pass the sniff test, Kat. There's something going on here with this one. Uh, The cut won't kick in until July, and it's only going to be a temporary six-month cut. Now, in contrast, Alberta cut their gas tax by 13 cents a liter, basically effective immediately. But apparently Ontario can't go until July because they need to give the industry time to adjust their pricing. Fuck you, Doug! What does that mean, though, in a time to adjust? They have no problem adjusting up and up and up and up. I was going to say, they adjust every day. What do you mean? I mean, it goes up five cents, five cents, seven cents. At some points, it escalated like 11 cents a liter. What do you mean? What do you mean you need time to adjust? You didn't give us any time to adjust. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no adjustment necessary here. And I really, for the life of me, can't figure out what they're doing. Unless this is just Doug's attempt to stick a soother in our mouths and say, shut up. Probably. I mean, yeah. And right before the election, that would make sense. That's when to do it. So we're going to go, what, July till Christmas with 5.7 cents per liter less at the pumps. Uh, Okay, then what? Then it just shoots up six cents in 2023? Yeah, I don't know. And what about the feds? Like, where are the feds? Like, they got the carbon tax in there, which, by the way, I didn't notice a significant difference. Not yet. Not yet. It's yet. coming. Yet. But they, they're, where are they in the, all of this? Well, the feds aren't going to do a thing. They were asked to at least pause this increase to the 
to the carbon tax and they won't do it. And I understand why. Stephen Gilbo is our federal environment minister. He's not very good at speaking English. And I think he gets a pass from most of the journalists out there that either don't want to argue with the guy or can't understand him or they just don't like him. Whatever. (laughs) But I watched an interview with this guy yesterday and it was shocking. I mean, he is unapologetically being like, yeah, fuck it. Too bad. You don't like it? We, we, we got to fix the carbon problem. So suck it up. Yeah, I know prices are expensive, but who fucking cares? We're just got to suck it up. That's basically his attitude. We're on our own here, guys. When it comes to the government, we're on our own. Nobody is really helping. Doug can acknowledge, yeah, yeah, there's a problem. We should do something about it. But it won't happen for four months. After the election, is this going to be a thing where the liberals are going to be outraged that Doug's cutting the gas tax and they're going to say, we'll cancel that cut to the gas tax? Or is everybody going to be in favor of this? There's a lot of different ways that this can go, but it's ridiculous to suggest that it can't be done until July. Can't do it. Not for months. Yes, you fucking can. You don't want to. And I I don't know why now, because this has been a problem for a while. I'm not sure why. They're doing this today. The only thing I can think of is it's a real nice distraction from this story. The nephew of Premier Doug Ford and Toronto's late mayor, Rob Ford, is going to try and get a seat right beside Doug at Queens Park. Uncle Hmm. Doug. Toronto City Councillor Michael Ford is the Ontario Progressive Conservative nominee in York Southwestern. It's a Toronto riding. If your name's Ford, you probably should do well. Right now, the NDP holds that riding. He was appointed the candidate. It's not like there was a a contest here for the nomination, like there is in most ridings. Doug just said, all right, you're the nominee. Signed off on it. Does he do that for other people? Like, I mean, who else has he appointed? Has there been other appointees in this particular, for this, for Doug? Sometimes leaders will appoint a candidate. Usually it's a star candidate. I mean, if Justin Trudeau can convince, uh, I don't know, Chris Hadfield to run for the Liberals, he's not going to make Chris go through the nomination process. He's just going to tell that riding, hey, Chris Hadfield wants to run. Fuck you guys. He's your candidate. That's all there is to it. Papers are signed. And he can do that. Generally speaking, from a democracy standpoint, you would want all the people in that riding that live in that riding to have a, a, an election just there locally to figure out who the best or most qualified person is to run for that party in the next election. <laughs> They've bypassed that process this time around. Frankly, I'm not exactly sure why. I would think that if Michael Ford is uh, that qualified a candidate, he would have had no problem securing the nomination. Maybe nobody else wanted the job. Either way, it does seem a little strange to me, but uh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. We're going to lower your gas taxes, and that's fine. That's all there is to it. Again, not until July, and only for six months. Very, very, very strange. Uh, Let's get on to... Did you have a good weekend, by the way? We talked about this earlier, but I know that... uh, uh, is it your daughter goes to daycare today? Yeah, my youngest starts uh, starts daycare today. And so, how are you feeling, well, mom? Good. I'm a little more anxious than I was with my oldest because uh, she's going to be, she's like, younger than my oldest was when she started daycare. And this is like so brand new to her. So I don't want to be one of those like helicopter moms that continuously texts the center being like, how's she now? How is she now? I want her to do her thing and be good. But she's like my emotion. She's a little bit more of my emotional girl. So I'm, I'm I'm like, is she okay? Is everything all right? I'm dying to know. Are you allowed to text and get updates on that? I do get updates. I get photos and updates and stuff. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. 
Wow. Do they do that for everybody or is it just because you're you? Just me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, there is a, a lot of a lot of centers will have apps. So I have an app, a specific sign in and everything else, which gives me access to what she's doing or daily schedule, what she ate that day. You know, like all the things that you would want to know that your kid may not be clear and tell you happened. So, OK, so that's daycare. What happens when they get to school? Like basically you're cut off, right? Like all this information that you're accustomed to in daycare, you stop getting when they get to school? Not necessarily. No, there are schools that have apps. Um, I ha- I'm uh, part of the Google Classroom. So because we have Google Classroom, I do get updates through there. Um, I also will get messages or emails if needed. Right. And we have a communication binder. So physically I'll get things sent back and forth and I'm able to chat with the teachers that way and they're able to upload photos if if I request them or and all that stuff so yeah there is some access it's not like 24 7 but uh, yeah there are some things yeah you seem like a really good parent and I want to highlight a good parent before I tell you about this shitty parent <laughs> wait am I just good compared to whatever this is that you're gonna tell me all well, right. you, you couldn't be bad compared to it I'll tell you that okay. <laughs> police are now investigating after an assault at an under-16 hockey game in Whitby. Okay. Durham police have charged a 43-year-old spectator with assault after a fight with a player. They say there was a fight between two players on the ice. As one of them was trying to get off the ice, this guy grabbed and shoved the teenager. Police say bystanders immediately intervened That's when the fight spilled out to the parking lot of the Iroquois Park Sports Complex. The accused was arrested and charged with assault and causing a disturbance by fighting. I have watched my kids play competitive rep sports since they were, uh, since my son was five years old. Right. Five days a week sometimes. I was in those rinks and I was watching and cheering him on. I even coached for a few years. Never at any point in my life did I have so little self-control that I was willing to go and fight a player that said something or or threw a punch at my kid. Never. How the fuck at 43 years old (laughs) do you have that little self-control, that much of a helicopter parent mentality, that much of a... I, I can't even describe it. Yeah. What is wrong with you as an adult that you want to go and punch out a 16-year-old that got in a fight with your 16-year-old? Yeah. yeah. I don't. There's ra- There's obviously issues and rage issues underneath that, right? It's not all surface like, ah, I don't like you because of what you did to my son. You have a lot of issues, first of all. But can I just say that's also one of the reasons why a lot of people don't want to get their kids into those kind of competitive sports. Like, there are people who fight over wreck. Like, there are people who will fight over a, what's supposed to be fun games and things like that, and you'll still hear parents bitching, moaning, whining, yelling at kids or calling kids names. It's incredible to me. It's one of the reasons why people leave their kids out, and that's not fair to the kids. It's probably one of the reasons why, you know, kids don't want to be a part of it, too, is, is some of them are embarrassed by their parents, and I know that as a fact. There oh, are yeah. some kids who are like, once they get to the point where they're making their own decisions, right? Maybe they're, they're a teenager and they're, yeah, the kid, the parent trekked them to this, you know, whatever it was, soccer. Let's say uh, they, they want me to be do soccer. Finally, I get to the age where I'm like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with it. And unfortunately, it's not because of the game. It's not because of how I feel about the game. It's how I feel about you. And parents don't, some parents like this lunatic, they don't seem to realize that they're just going to make things worse for their kid, especially. But bad look on yourself too. Like, Figure your shit out, because that's a you problem. Well, in this case, actually in all cases, 
like you said, it does turn off a lot of parents. It also turns off referees and officials that don't want to do this anymore. It was a good little side hustle for a lot of people that know about hockey. Maybe they played when they were younger. You can go and referee some games and you can make some pretty decent money refereeing games. You can make some uh, good contacts and maybe a little bit of money if you want to coach a team. Just this weekend, I was talking to a teacher who coached her elementary school volleyball team. And I asked, how did it go? How was your season? Oh, it was a nightmare. It was a fucking nightmare. She said, parents have lost their fucking mind. She, <laughs> this is a teacher oh, no. that will no longer coach oh. elementary school, grade seven and eight volleyball because she's yeah. sick of the complaints from parents yeah. about playing time. My kid's the best one out there. And why does he yeah. have to sit on the bench? My kid made the team and they should be on just as much as the good players. Yeah. You know, like, wh- let me ask you, if you're one of those parents who does that, who fights with the coach about playing time, who will go and fight another kid that hit your kid, what is wrong with you? What is, honest to God, do you not remember when you were growing up? Because I guarantee when you were growing up, you were a hell of a lot tougher than you're raising your kid. There was no, if I got in a fight with another 16 year old, my dad wasn't going to be right there ready to punch that kid out. I had to deal with that other 16 year old. That's just the way it was. I didn't have my parents phoning the teacher saying, why is little Scotty not getting enough floor time in volleyball? Why is the other kids out there more than him? I timed it. One kid got an extra shift. (laughs) That was never happening. I was never, ever put in a position where my mom would say, you know what? You tell that teacher, you're going on the floor. It's your shift and you're going, you're taking your turn. I was scared shitless of my teachers and my principals. They were the teacher and the principal. You had to have respect. Now, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Nightmare. And I don't blame I don't blame the teacher that you're ta- that you actually spoke to too for saying I'm not doing it. If I was in that position, if I was a, if I was a teacher and let's say it was something that I was really interested in that I really enjoyed, oh yeah, I would love to do that with the kids. But dealing with parents on a day-to-day basis outside of these extracurriculars that they don't get paid extra for. Let's keep that in mind. Forget about it. Like dealing with parents inside the classroom would be enough for me. I hear nightmare stories about them when it comes to education, let alone having to deal with both that in the classroom and all the other stuff that's supposed to be fun outside of it. Forget it. There's too many people that are way, way, way too involved in their own kids' lives to the point where they're not even letting kids make decisions anymore. They're just doing it. And it's crazy to me. If you look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I had good parents and I have a a good outcome here. I've got a good job and I own a home and I I turned out pretty well. And then do the exact opposite to raise your kids. What are you trying to accomplish here? Your parents never marched you down to the principal's office and tried to get the principal to apologize to you. That would never fucking happen. So why are you doing things completely differently? Why are you, after you went and played hockey and and had your your good fun on the ice for all those years, why would you be the parent who goes in and wants to fight a kid that punched your kid? What is wrong with you? I just don't get it, Mm Kat. It's Mm -hmm. bizarre to me, and I don't know what the future's going to look like but or how long these parents intend to run their kids' lives, but I'm going to suggest that you should probably let your kid get beat up. If your kid is in hockey, rep hockey, and there's a fight, you can't go on the ice and protect them. How long into their life do you intend to protect them? 
you can't be there with them all the time protecting them from COVID. They're probably going to catch COVID, and that's okay in the vast, vast, vast majority of cases. Leave them alone. Give them a little room to breathe. Like, could you imagine pros? Like, even OH, let's just go to OHL. Like, could you imagine, like, a parent of someone playing the OHL yeah. tried to jump the barricade to get full for the fight? Like, you look ridiculous. Stop. Hello, coach. I would like to speak to you because my kid, who's a semi-professional player, isn't getting the, yeah. the respect he deserves in the locker room. You're make, you're, Shut you're, the fuck you're, up. Yeah, you're just ruining it for your kid, though, right? Like, you have to think. People don't think about it that way. It's crazy to me, Kat. Let's switch gears here because there's a couple of stories that have come up that I'd like to run by you. We're going to start off with this. It's a woman who went out on a date with a man who refused to leave a tip. Hmm. That's so embarrassing. Not a good date. Not a good date. Well, people ask me sometimes, why are you so hellbent on always paying the bill? If I pay the bill, I can make sure that the server gets tipped. I can't necessarily guarantee that any Mm. other way. And I would feel horrible, like this woman does, leaving a restaurant and not tipping the server. But here's what happened. They went to an Italian restaurant. The guy felt as though he didn't receive adequate service because they did not restock the bread on the table. So the woman says... The man told her, I'm not leaving a tip. He didn't bring enough bread. They need to do better. So if the bill was 100 bucks, he left 100 bucks. period, the end. No Whoa. room for discussion, no date. She says she was extremely embarrassed. But she also admitted she kind of likes the guy. And she's asking the internet for advice on whether or not that's a big enough red flag that she should just get away from this guy or if they should have a conversation about it or if there's any redeeming qualities in there that she can continue on with this relationship. I wonder how much effort on his part he put into asking about the bread. Like it was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Just like, again, I just uh, I, that part's missing for me is did you ask for more? Maybe they assumed one basket of bread would be enough and you just nom 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 like ate the shit out of all of it and expected more and they thought wow that was a lot of bread he probably doesn't want anymore i don't know did he even ask but okay so we don't know the the answer to that but regardless of that i mean people don't take it's hard because if you if you don't do it or you've never worked in a restaurant for a living or maybe even been around it a lot maybe you get to make the excuse of oh i truly don't understand how it works but it doesn't, the excuse doesn't fly in this case for me. Like you, you go to a nice restaurant. I'm assuming the service aside from your bread ordeal was fine. And, and you're on a date. Aren't you trying to impress? Like it's usually the opposite. It surprises me. But it, not tipping anything because you're upset with the restocking or the lack thereof of the bread. If you get upset to the point where you're not going to tip anything over bread, you're a bit sensitive, and I'd like to I'd like to look into that a little more before I date you further. You know yeah. what I mean? What's up with that? There's more to you, you know? We'll circle back to the tipping in just a sec. Just a side note on the bread. Uh, maybe you shouldn't eat that much bread. Maybe you shouldn't eat a yeah. whole fucking loaf well, of bread before you eat an entire uh, Italian meal. Well, and this is the like, thing, Like, maybe too. calm the fuck down. Well, maybe, and maybe that's what the server thought, was like, you can't possibly want more. Because you ate a basket of fucking buns or whatever it was. Right. You ate already a basket of it. Why would you want more? And if you knew it was probably an odd request, you could still request it. Absolutely. Just be like, I know it seems weird. I already ate a basket of bread. Could I have more? I bet you they would have done it for you. Sure. What, what's missing in your brain that you didn't think to do that? Well, you know, I mean, I see these commercials for 
Eastside Mario's and Olive Garden in America. The Red Lobster's got the cheese bun things yeah. and the unlimited uh, soup, salad, and bread. And I'm thinking, that sounds terrible. How much bread are you actually going to eat? Yeah. How full do you want to feel yeah. before you eat your pasta? Like, fuck. <laughs> carbs on carbs on carbs. Right. So anyway, uh, this woman says, I've heard the expression, and I believe it's true, that how you treat a server is indicative of the type of person mm-hmm. you are. Not tipping at all seems like an extreme reaction to being shorted a piece of bread or two. It could have been an honest mistake and easily remedied in a second. Mm-hmm. I had a good experience at the restaurant. It's not like the server was rude or anything bad happened. So I'd like to know, is this a red flag? Should I go on another date? Wow. I'm going to suggest uh, probably not. I don't think you should. Yeah, like do you want to find out what's next? Yeah. Like this is just the beginning. This Th- is someone who got so upset about Bread. You get a whole fucking loaf of it for two fifty. Yeah. It's so upset cheap. about bread that he wouldn't tip a waiter. Now, what I'm wondering here is if A, this guy is just a cheap person to begin with, or maybe he's one of those anti-tippers. There's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that will disagree with the whole concept of tipping saying the the business should pay him a fair wage and then we wouldn't have to tip why is it the customers that have to pay their wages the business should be paying their wages i've heard that argument before and i've really tried to see your point on it if you're one of those people who tries to make that point Mm -hmm. and frankly i disagree i'll be honest with you there's a lot of people in the service industry that get tips and that's why they're in the service industry there's some exceptional waitresses and waiters and bartenders that if they're just going to make minimum wage or if they're just going to make 20 bucks an hour with no potential to earn more why would they do that and you won't like you can the get outcome. another job where you don't have to walk all day and put up with people's yeah, bullshit that's exactly it you won't like the outcome you want it to be that way okay have fun the next time you go out to a restaurant because you're not going to have people putting in that extra special touch you're not going to have the people that rush right when you're seated you might get your drink Five minutes, 10 minutes. The establishments don't want that either. Like not just to have to pay out their employees that much more, but it's also going to hurt their business because they know what they're in for if they're going to pay that minimum wage. They're not going to get the same. And and there's no expected tip for anybody here. Don't tip our people. Nope. You know that less people are going to end up at your restaurant. Not because like you think, okay, maybe it'll bring people in because I don't have to tip. No, it'll do the opposite effect because those people aren't going to work as hard. I enjoy... Seeing a server, you know, and, and knowing that they're going out of the way for for me, you know, um, when I do go out to eat and, and doing those things. I'm like, yes, thank you very much. And I make sure to tip generously because of it. I've had shitty servers, too. Ones that are cl- clearly lazy and it has nothing to do with the fact that they're slammed or anything like that. They just don't give a fuck to be there. Yep. And sure, their tip might get affected because of that. But it, that I, I agree with you. I think if we did it that way, you would be very, very upset with the kind of service that you ended up getting. You you'd really have, would. You'd have a lot less restaurants because there's a lot less people that would be interested yeah. in doing it. People make the tips because there's the potential to do more. I actually think more industries should require tips. Tips would be great because, hey, listen, whether I do a podcast today or don't, whether I do my radio show today or not, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to make any extra for doing it. Whether uh, they do or don't, bring you extra bread, they're going to get paid the same amount. And that takes away from the service. If you can even get people to do the job. I'll give you a great example. My sister-in-law is 
is a cocktail specialist. She's been a server all her life. She's been in the industry for a very long time. And one of the things that she's really well known for is her creative Caesars. And she actually has a customer base that follows her around to the different places that she works. And if she's there, they're going because they know that's where you can get that vodka infused bacon and and a fucking slider on your meal on top of the cup yeah (laughs) like she does those sort of things yeah 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 and and you know what i mean she's probably worth every penny to the company that hired her but she also earns those tips hey if she was just gonna get her wage and that was all there is Mm -hmm. to it would she bother probably not i don't know why she would there's no incentive to do it for her and and it's like that in a lot of industries Hey, if you want the extra service, if you want good people serving you, you've got to take care of them. When they say 15%, okay, fine, you can give 15%. If you give 15%, you've done it the bare minimum. I'm at a 20% level, and I'll go as high. Well, there really is no limit. Uh, when I got my haircut last time, because I love my hairstylist so much, I tip 40% when I get my haircut because I love her, and she's great, and I don't want to lose her. I don't want her to ever say when I call it the last minute because I'm a disorganized mess, sorry, can't get you in. Yeah, we've got an appointment available next weekend. No, she makes time for me because I do take care of her, yeah. and that's just the way the tipping industry works. It's part of the business, and I really don't get why people complain about this, but it's important. It really is. And if we didn't have tips, the service would be worse, and there'd be a lot less restaurants because they wouldn't get staff to be able to run them. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, even if you did pay them handsomely, not minimum wage, but let's say you paid a little bit more and you thought this might bring it in, I don't know I don't know that that's going to work either um, because you do deal with a lot of shit as a server, and that's kind of one of the things that you put up with is occasionally you get a prick sitting at one of your tables. But if you still had those pricks occasionally sitting at one of your tables and you had no chance of making the the big tips, like I'm telling you, it's a swing. Like some nights I remember working, I would hustling on like a Friday, Saturday night and it was so busy in there and I'd walk away with like two two or $300 cash and that was not even what I made per hour. That doesn't even count. I'm talking about just straight tips. And that's what the people work hard for. That's what you're going to get the hustlers. That's what you want, a little hustling step, I think. And and I know there are some restaurants out there that exist in the world, uh, even here in North America, that say, that encourage don't tip because we tip our people great. And maybe they're happy with that. And that's awesome. But I don't think it could work at every single place. Uh, let's play a little Judge Cat here. I like it when we do this. We give Cat a scenario and we give her the gavel and she can impose whatever sentence she wants. This one is bizarre. Morgan Helkvist lives in New York. Recently freaked out. When she learned something about her gynecologist that she didn't know. This gynecologist who had given her breast and pelvic examinations for years, even fitted her for an IUD, is actually her biological father. Whoa. And he knew it all along. He knew the whole time. What? Who he was and I didn't. Morgan told of Dr. Morris Wortman while sharing her story on Good Morning America on Friday. She says, he took away the choice for me. And she's suing him, an upstate OBGYN based in Rochester, for regularly acting as her physician while knowing he was her biological father. Morgan's lawsuit, which was filed in September, seeks unspecified damages. It also charges him with medical malpractice, lack of informed consent, Mm -hmm. battery, Fraud, 
negligence, and infliction of emotional distress. Now, I'm sure that you can Google this story if you want to know more about it. Maybe he was a sperm donor. Maybe they they had the baby and Morgan there was put up for adoption. I don't know how it is that he knows he is her biological father, but she didn't know. She just went to the doctor and she trusted the doctor to do doctor things. Oh, wow, you got you to gotta check me inside? Okay, all right, go ahead. It was her father doing it. So... I'm not sure about absolutely everywhere, but I'm pretty certain that the same rule goes that you're not even allowed to care for an uh, immediate family member. I know that's the case here. For example, if you're a nurse uh, practitioner, you cannot see your family members. If you're a doctor, you cannot see your family members. I assume the same would be here. This guy probably knew he wouldn't be allowed, allowed to look after and care for his daughter. I'm thinking that was probably his only way in his head. He probably thought this is my only way to keep a connection with my daughter because I have no other reason to seek her out or to look for her. Right. But that was going way too far. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You're that's one of the things you're supposed to even if you not having them being your relative aside, the trust factor has to be there for you and that doctor. And that's yeah, that's one of the most intimate doctors that you could have. (laughs) And the fact that that would be your father. I mean, that's messed up. I'm glad she's taking action. Did she? How did she find out? Does it say? Did she say? Like I said, I got a summary yeah, on the story. Yeah. But if you want to Google it, go ahead. She was on Good Morning America on Friday. Yeah. If you want to go back and watch the interview. That's fucked up. Doctor's got to lose his license, I would assume, oh, right? Oh, you absolutely. Like, that's what I mean. That's, you can't do that. You can't do that. You couldn't do that knowingly. There'd be a way to maybe get away with it if he truly didn't know. But if she can prove, and apparently she can, I assume. Well, she'd have to go to the knew. doctor to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> But if she could prove that he knew, and if that's the case, she seems very confident that he knew, that's different. Because it would, it would be one thing if he truly didn't know. But if he knew, of course that's a problem. Absolutely. And you probably will get in big shit. You'll probably never be a doctor again. Hope it was worth it. Like, what was the point? In a TikTok video, a woman is sharing how her world came crashing down upon her and her now ex-partner. This 25-year-old, who goes by the name Maria, revealed recently a tragic story that happened to her. She said, imagine being engaged three months away from your dream wedding. Invitations are sent out, and then on a random Thursday, you find out your fiancé has been hiding a porn folder on his computer. Don't we all have okay. one? I thought we all fucking a had porn one. Folder. I didn't think that this was this a This person's deal. not for porn. Is that why? Nope. There's more to the story. Maria explains what happened in the comments section. She says, he was helping me apply for a job because my computer wasn't working. He downloaded my resume to his work computer and went to his file folders to look for where it was downloaded to. After clicking on a particular folder... She found pics that were pornographic in nature. In the same folder, pictures of some of the female coworkers he has. Oh, no. And pictures of, wait for it, her sister. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what? Was her sister naked or just no. pictures? <gasps> no. That almost makes, I mean, it's all bad. It's all bad. But that's fucked. Why? She says. She confronted him. Why the hell do you have pictures of my sister 
saved in a porn folder on your work computer. He said he would stare at the photos during work and picture them naked because he was bored and it was a thrill for him to do so during work hours. He was on company time. Not that that's an important detail to the story. Well, I mean, his company would think it is. This guy (laughs) would crop pictures from his fiance's sister's Instagram. Save them on the computer (laughs) and picture his fiance's sister naked because he was bored. I, uh, you know, there's a lot of shit you can do when you're bored. There's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, if If you don't feel like actually working during work, you can go ahead and take up Wordle. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know how to you play Wordle. You me either. You could do any number of things. There's still some games people play on their phone, isn't it? You could do all sorts of things. But that is really some fucked up shit to pass the time. So she called off the wedding, understandably. Did he not, did he realize that he had a problem of sorts? Do you tell the sister? I mean, God, there's so many questions here. I, I believe his strategy was be honest and hope for the best. Yeah, I do have pictures of your sister. Yes, I cropped them from her Instagram. Oh, that's fucked up. I like to look at them and envision your sister naked when I get bored at work. You, <laughs> as my fiance, need to start being a little more supportive of my endeavors to try and pass the day away. <laughs> There's no... There's no one dumb enough that that would like pass with, right? Like no one's that stupid to be like, oh, oh, well, well if I'm you're sorry. bored, yeah, I know, boredom oh, sucks. I didn't yeah. know you were bored. Okay, you should have told then. me. I would have just asked her yeah. to take some nudes for you. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? Okay, obviously, he's got the hots for the sister. I mean, you'd never drag the truth out of him. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I, I don't know if he would ever admit it, yeah. but either way, wedding's this off. Is, and that's a whole other pain <laughs> in the ass, too. You know, it is a pain in the ass, but it's better than having gotten married. Imagine you finding like a creepy fucking folder after you got married. I'm pretty confident you could sell the judge on an annulment if that's the case. You think so? Yeah. He had pictures of my fucking sister <laughs> on his lap, on his computer. <laughs> like, give me a break. Yeah, the judge would be like, yeah, you're right. You're fucked up. <laughs> Uh, two quick criminal stories and then we'll wrap it up because we don't want to go over 50 today. In Brandon, Manitoba, last Thursday, there was an attempted robbery at a store. 27-year-old guy was in the process of stealing something when store staff confronted him. That's when the thief assaulted the employee with a Mr. Solid Chocolate Easter Bunny. Then ran out of the store with stolen merchandise. He apparently whacked the employee pretty hard because it says right in the police report, the victim sustained minor injuries. (laughs) As far as we can tell, though, I think they're fine. Uh, The cops were called. They did eventually catch the thief and the store got their merch back. But the police also wanted to clarify in their report, this is not an April Fool's joke. This fucking idiot... (laughs) grabbed a Mr. Solid chocolate bunny and whacked the employee over the head with it. It couldn't have been like a Kinder Egg that was hollow or some (laughs) shit. He had to go right for the solid one. Yeah. Shit. So funny story. And part of the reason that I love this story so much is since I was, since I had teeth, this is going back years. Every Easter, the Easter bunny brought me 
a Mr. Munchie, uh-huh. a Mr. Solid, and a Mr. Fruit and Nut. The Mr. Solid is an annual staple in my diet. And I can tell you that if somebody whacked you over the head with it, it would would fucking hurt. hurt. These things, they call it Mr. Solid for a reason. Did you eat, sorry, I got to go back to your childhood for a second. Did you eat them like one at a time or were like you one of those people that like, You'd slowly like bring the foil down on these if they had foil and you just like munch on them. There's like your fucking gross teeth marks were all over them and you'd like oh. refoil them and shit. This was the part like, of the uh, this was part of the trauma <laughs> of my childhood is my mom was well aware that I loved Mr. Munchie. Uh, not as much that Mr. Fruit and Nut was my favorite and they don't even sell them anymore. I didn't even know that was a thing, yeah. Well, you're getting an education today, lady. I didn't know fruit and nut. There what was, kind of fruit? It was uh raisins and nuts. Oh, in it. what the fuck? Who would do that? It That's was delicious. Foul. It was delicious. That sounds foul. They got to bring it back. Mr. Fruit and Nut should come back. Mr. Munchie has got like crisps in it. Yeah, that's cool. I I, I, I know exactly what a Munchie one is. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the chocolate bunny. So what I would get in my Easter basket was those three bunnies because there was three in total in the collection. I'd get all three and a jar of peanut butter. And me, fat fuck that I was, even when I was a kid, I was fat. I would dip the bunny in the peanut butter jar and literally take in like five times more peanut butter than you should have in a day in every bite. Nom, nom, nom. But I was in a way making myself like a Reese bunny. It was amazing. I was way ahead of my time. Very, very advanced when it came to food combinations. Wow. It was so good. Uh, but again, they don't sell the Mr. Fruit and Nut. And it drives me batshit crazy. But you'll still do the munchie and the, and the solid? Yeah. At oh, Easter? That, oh, yeah. I still get those, Is too. It, you, do, does, your mo- does your mom buy Because I know the Easter Bunny stops coming when you're older. Does your mom buy it for you? Do you buy it for yourself? Does your girlfriend buy it for you? So I mentioned this to my girlfriend when we first started dating. And we started dating in the summertime. But then eventually Easter rolled around. And, and she said, hey, Easter's coming up. And I said, oh, I got to talk to you about the bunny scenario. Because there's a couple of needs that I have. And and that could go a lot of different ways. Sure. What kind of fucking needs does he have that I have to take care of? <laughs> a very serious conversation. I need a chocolate bunny on Easter and a jar of peanut butter. And I, I told her and I showed her a picture. I'm like, this is the Mr. Munchie. If you can find the Mr. Fruit and Nut, get that. Mr. Solid, that's a good backup, but I don't really give a shit one way or the other. Either way, this needs to be in the basket. And if you can't, don't don't worry about it. Text my mom and she'll make sure that it's there because it's going to be very important to her that I have this bunny. But this was the trauma of my childhood growing up is I would get these bunnies, but I was only allowed to eat a little bit of it at a time. Well, good. Yes, that's important. Why would you give me three fucking bunnies and only let me eat a bite a day? Tough shit. It's like Halloween. You can't eat it all that night. What do you think this is? I should really talk to my mom about all those years of Easter trauma. I should. I should. I'm kidding. It's not a big yes, deal. You say, I was never allowed. Like I never got the big. St- I never got the big stuff. Really? I never got the. Well, super- your parents are healthy. And yeah, we they never care got about that. their kids. We got. <laughs> we got. My like mom the- was like, "Yeah, you're fat, but it's not going to change overnight. So you might as well eat the bunny." <laughs> we got the chocolate <laughs> eggs and stuff, but I don't remember. Like I remember hearing from my friends at school, like. I got one of the colossal, like Ferrero Rocher, like two feet tall bunnies. What'd you get? I'm like, I got Dollarama ones. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember getting ones that big. I remember one year it was epic. We got like one of the giant like Toblerone ones or oh, something yeah. like that, Easter specials. But even then, like I didn't even know what to do with it at that point. I'm like, what do I, do I just gnaw on this? Like I don't understand those big ones. I just don't understand what you're supposed to do. What, what do your kids get? You get like carrot and ranch yeah, sticks no. and ranch? <laughs> No, no, we'll do like the chocolate eggs and little toys and things like that. More toys than than chocolate, though. I don't do a lot of the, the chocolate stuff. They don't need it. They're, t- they're tiny. Uh-huh. Uh, one more story here. 
A uh, 54-year-old man, his name is Gregory Sorensen, pulled over and arrested for a DUI in Florida late Friday night. He was driving an interesting vehicle, though, when he got pulled over for a DUI. It was a driver training vehicle with decals on it and everything. This guy was a driving instructor. He was alone in the car at the time of the arrest. He had an open pack of Natty Light in the back seat, drinking a beer while he was driving a driver's ed car. Okay, that's all kinds of wrong. He failed the field sobriety test, and the blood alcohol content was nearly three times the legal limit, the Florida legal limit. It's unclear what this arrest might mean for his future as a driving instructor. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to suggest he should probably lose his job. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I, we're a little foggy on the on what we should do here. What the fuck are you talking about? He, you know, it's one thing. It's one thing, and I don't want to create any gray area when it comes to impaired driving, but let's be honest. It's one thing if you're out at a buddy's house or you went out for dinner and you had a glass of wine too many or you had a beer too many or whatever. We all know the limit and you blow a little bit over. Well, it sucks, but you're impaired by the definition in the law, so you're just going to have to deal with the consequences. But you didn't think so. You thought you were okay. Whatever. This guy was three times the legal yeah, limit. There's yeah. no gray area there. No. And and it's not like he just got a little carried away and had a glass of wine too many. He had a fucking six pack of natural light in the back seat. They should have jammed him with another ticket for drinking Natty Light. Yeah, that's I didn't even horrible. Know you, I didn't even know you could get drunk <laughs> off Natty Light. I've tried and you got to drink not a good. lot of them to even catch a buzz. In any case, I'll speculate. He's probably going to lose his job. What an idiot. Thanks for downloading this episode of After 9. We will be back tomorrow with another fresh edition. You should hit that subscribe button, tell a friend, send us a message, whatever you want. You can do that. No problem at all. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. Ciao. We need to change our attitudes. Intelligence officials are saying that Vladimir Putin is being misinformed by his advisors about how badly the Russian military is performing in Ukraine, which is kind of like Will Smith's agent telling him, you crushed it at the Oscars. (laughs) Who would have guessed that the movie that comes out of the Oscars with all the buzz was G.I. Jane? (laughs) But I understand where Will's coming from. I mean, you can't expect him to sit there and watch another man jump all over his wife without signing an NDA. (laughs) And overall, processing what happened at the Oscars. Look, I'm not here to humiliate Will Smith. He gets enough of that at home. (laughs) But uh, I also really love that the reason they let Will Smith stay in the audience was that they asked Chris Rock, and he said it was okay. So now we just ask the victim right after they get hit in the head? Hey, you cool if the guy who just attacked you hangs around for a while? You don't want to make him mad again. (laughs) The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.